Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Take your Bibles this morning uh, and turn. In a moment, I'm going to be at uh, Matthew chapter 19 and 1 Corinthians 13. If you want to uh, go ahead and turn there, I'm, I'm concluding a series that we called Naked and Unashamed out of Genesis uh, chapter 2. Started laying the foundation for this message several weeks ago out of Genesis chapter 2. Kind of want to finish it up today. In previous messages, we talked about the naked truth about marriage on Valentine's Day. Uh, I did an entire message on human sexuality. If you missed that, if you're a parent, you need to go back and hear that, a young adult. Uh, Last week, I talked about dating relationships and singleness, and I had more response out of that message. Unbelievable response just on that topic. So if you're single, uh, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm journeying with you. If I can help in any way, I want you to know uh, I'm praying for you and walking with you. Uh, All of this stuff is on our Facebook page. It's on YouTube. If you've missed anything, it's on our podcast on iTunes. So you can grab that if you would like. But I really think if you listen to them all, it'll kind of help as I'm trying to put this uh, puzzle together for you. So before I I, I really kind of start my message this morning, I want to take a moment and I want to talk about a a trend, uh, you know, that that, that is occurring in our country with young adults, and it's moving the opposite direction of biblical marriage. And I, and I specifically want to speak to young adults, high school age, because this trend, you know, affects you, and it's, it is living together, cohabitation. So I want to just, uh, just for a moment, is cohabitation, living together, a substitute for marriage? Okay, now the logic is we're just going to try it out to see if we're compatible, and if we are, then we'll get married. As someone told me, it's kind of like buying a car. You kick the tires first, and I want to go, that is a terrible analogy, okay? Don't ever compare buying a car and looking under the hood to, you know, to living together at all. There couldn't be a worse comparison out there because... When you live together, there's several things that happen. Number one, there's a a shared identity that comes through. You share an apartment, a home together, okay? So you're, you're sharing your living space. You are sharing household goods, blended or purchased. You're kind of pooling your stuff together. Uh, There is the financial responsibility. Either you're dividing up bills or you have kind of a joint checking account. Uh, You were sharing bedrooms. So this is not roommates that are sleeping separately. These are people who are sharing the same bed, okay? And also, there's exclusivity in the relationship as well. So we're not dating other people. We're exclusively seeing each other, and we are living together in every way. Now, let me just say, except for a marriage license, there is no difference, okay? There is no difference in marriage and living together, you know, except just for for the marriage license there. So in every way, you're coming together as a couple. Now, really quick, 
Let me give you some facts on cohabitation and living together. And this is why I want to address this. Cohabitation, rather than marriage, is now the more common form of first union for young adults. So most of them, and I'll look at the statistic, the share of adults ages 18 to 44 who've ever lived with an unmarried partner, 59% has surpassed the share of those who've ever been married. So we're seeing many young adults go with living together uh, as, a, as a preferred way before marriage, and that's why I want to address this. Fewer cohabitating unions that in the past start out with a couple having intentions to marry. So it started with, hey, this is kind of a marriage test. Now it's kind of stopped, and they're just kind of uh, living together, you know, uh, until, you know, whatever. So uh, more people are, uh, people are more likely than ever to cohabitate with multiple partners in succession. So now it's not just one. If I live with somebody eight months and then I move on, I'll go to somebody else and I'll live with them a year. So they're seeing the trend that this is just happening more and more. So the, uh, so this marriage experiment, for lack of a better term, the statistics don't support the reason for cohabitation and living together. Why is living together harmful? Why does it matter? Okay, Couples who live together before marriage, and these are the studies, recent studies, and they'll put the links on the, on the screen. Couples who live together before marriage and before engagement tend to be less satisfied with their marriage and are more likely to divorce than couples who do not. So this thought where, well, we'll just kind of figure it out and we'll kind of morph into marriage, in actuality, it's not happening at all. Most couples who live together or marry break up within 18 months. Uh, only one in six couples are together after three years. Women tend to see it as a way that would lead to marriage, and men use this to stall marriage, okay? Okay. Now, ladies, I'm going to tell you something that you should already know, all right? Men, we're terrible, all right? We're just terrible human beings, okay? So the men, they're living together. They've got everything, financial responsibility, shared bedroom, and all of that. And now they're going, hey, we don't really need to be married, you know? Ladies are going, hey, I'd like to see if this leads to something. Men are going, I'm good right where I'm at, okay? So keep that in mind. It lowers the threshold of marriage and commitment, now, instead of a bind and a high, you know, till death do us part, now it's as long as we both enjoy it with no permanence or commitment as a component to the relationship. I will just stay as long as this relationship brings me fulfillment. Okay, that's the, you know, that's kind of the, the foundation of these, these type relationships. And the vows which say until death do us part are now replaced with a commitment that is only as strong as the apartment lease. Because that's when really the apartment lease, when it's up, that's when people really decide, are we going to do this for another round? Okay, we're going to separate are we good for another six months? Okay? You really can't approach marriage that way. You, really, you just can't. It encourages sexual activity. And more children than ever are born to cohabitating couples. So it encourages sex without the emotional bond of a lifelong commitment. 
We've talked about that in previous weeks. We are not made and created for sexual activity, casual sexual activity in this way, okay? Now, surprise, kids are being born. Children are being born to casual relationships that are somewhat as strong as the apartment lease. Now, young adults have to make a decision on this because you gotta, you got to make a decision about your kids, are we going forward? We're going to split, okay? And, and the last part of this, married adults, this is November 2019, married adults have higher levels of relationship satisfaction and trust than those living with an unmarried partner, okay? So the, the statistics and the logic of let's live together and see if this works out is not there. I'm just telling you, marriage, as imperfectly as applied as it is, is still the best plan. Having God in the center. So instead of this naive logic about marriage and compatibility for those that live together, we are now faced with a series of many marriages and many divorces with the baggage that goes with that. If you're with somebody for a long period of time, even though there's not a legal divorce, there's a tearing of the heart when you separate. Then you go do it again for a year, and there's a tearing of the heart. So now we're just kind of having a series of many marriages and all the baggage that goes with that. So I just want to say to every young adult, choose marriage. Wait for the right person. Wait for the right time. Yes, there are challenges. There are no perfect marriages, but I just believe that's God's best way for you. And all the married people started to clap uncontrollably. Yeah, yeah, all right. No. Trouble in paradise. When problems enter Eden, that's kind of my my message, just wanted to say that up front to our, to our young adults. I talked um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, about when, when we enter marriage, we're worried about love languages and Enneagram types and all of that. I said, but there's more practical things that you need to consider, like what kind of pizza are you going to purchase? What's the thermostat going to be set at? What side of the bed are you going to sleep on? Those are important things that you need to work out in advance. I got a couple more this morning. Questions you need to answer before you're married. Are you ready? You ready? What is the agreed upon maximum times that you were allowed to hit the snooze alarm? All right. That needs to be negotiated up front because there's some weird thinking out there, okay? I believe it's this, three times. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's it. Any more than three, you need to go see a medical doctor, okay? But that needs to be worked out. You need to talk about that because there's some weird folks out there. Got it seven, eight times, all right? Just one thing you need to consider before. The second one and this is if you're older, kind of older, maybe you're remarrying. You ready? Here's the question to ask. Do you own or use a CPAP machine? You need to know that up front. You need to know that up front, okay? Now, it's not a deal breaker if you do, but you just need to know that on your honeymoon night, when he comes out of the bathroom looking like a scuba diver, you don't need to be shocked, all right? You couldn't kiss him goodnight if you wanted to. And then wait till he plugs it in and you've got this chainsaw going all night. It's not a deal breaker. You just need to know what's going on up front. All right? Genesis 2, we talked about 
the wonderful, beautiful wedding in the garden. And it wasn't long after the beauty of the garden that problems arose. There were spiritual problems. Their walk with God. Adam had a change in vocation. Had trouble with one of the kids. One kid kills another. Adult kids leave home angry. I mean, that was just, it started beautiful and problems arose. And I want to tell you, that's the pattern of every marriage. It starts beautiful and then change and things happen in life. Change in marriage is inevitable. It's inevitable. You can grow and adapt in your marriage or it can become the beginning of a new season of trouble, okay? But change is coming. Now listen, things change. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. Just over the course of life, things change. You change. Your spouse changes. Your life, the scope of your life changes. And as a result, your marriage will change as well, okay? And these aren't bad changes. It doesn't mean, you know, something, uh, you know, bad is, is occurring. It's just part of life. Tim Keller says it really well this way in his book, Meaning of Marriage, and it's a great book if you want to read that. He said, the quest for a perfectly compatible soulmate is an impossibility. Marriage brings you into more intense proximity to another human being than any other relationship can. Therefore, the moment you marry someone, you and your spouse begin to change in profound ways, and you can't know ahead of time what those changes will be. So you don't know, you can't know who your spouse will actually be in the future until you get there, okay? And a lot of times, just because we're so deeply in love, sometimes we don't always see or notice the changes maybe until a little later. So change happens. You start having kids, and all of your focus immediately goes to the little voice that cries in the night, okay? All of your attention goes to the, the, the raising of the, of the child, and, and then, you know, you've got the, the infant and the toddler and the, the, the school, you know, elementary school kind of era, and you are learning together to be married, but also to raise kids at the same time. And then they get a little older, you know, where you're taking them everywhere. You just feel like you're the kid's Uber. Anybody ever felt that way? I did. I really wanted them to lower the driving age to 12 for a period of time. Now, I've come out of that, let me just say. But, I mean, every place you go, you got to take them. you got to pick them up, you know, and you realize that, Raising kids is exhausting, okay? It takes lots of finance. You don't have the energy and the time that normally you used to put in your marriage. So your marriage changes due to raising kids. The impact of this sometimes can be a negative, but kids are a blessing. But it's just how we handle this is inevitable change. Also, the longer that we're married, we go from the selflessness kind of to the selfish a little bit. You know, the more we relax over a period of time, you know, the person that used to say, it doesn't matter where we eat, you go wherever you want, is now the person that says, I will never go back there and eat, never again. You just start to see some interpersonal changes the longer that you are married. These aren't necessarily bad 
or wrong, people grow, mature, and change the longer that you are married. There there are money issues as well. You know, you thought your life was going to be weekends at the beach, candlelight dinners, romantic vacations, and then you realize once you get into life, into marriage, that there's no money left at the end, okay? I mean, you started out at the melting pot. Now you're ending up at Tuesday night corndog night at Sonic. That's your night. That's all you got left. And you realize there's this constriction on your marriage you know, because of, you know, because of changes. And I'm just saying, these aren't terrible changes. It's just part of life. I said it from the beginning. Man, these are changes that happen that we have to navigate once we get into marriage. And then you start thinking sometimes, you know, you, you look back several years and you start thinking, wow, when, when did my marriage get this bad? I mean, what, what happened? I mean, I really had it made. When I was single, I had freedom. I had money. I could just go and do what I wanted to do. Or they think, you know, looking back, I don't, I don't think we were really in love. You know, I, don't, I just don't think it. I don't feel it. We were just so young. I just don't think we were in love. Or we go, you know what, I'm just not happy anymore. I'm just, I'm, I'm just not happy. I deserve to be happy. Or they start thinking, wow, I, I made... I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And you start to come to the mental conclusion that things will not get better. Okay? You feel stuck. You feel isolated. You feel suffocating in this relationship. And you start to entertain the thought and the dream about your problem-free life if you were not married. Start working through that. You start working through that mentally, okay? Now, let's just talk about divorce for a moment, okay? Let's just talk about divorce, all right? And let me just say something up front. If you're divorced and you're here this morning, I'm not here to speak to you, okay? What's done is done. What's under the blood is under the blood. What I am trying to do is set a biblical pattern for young adults and for those who are married now who may be going through a troubled time. So if you've, if you've gone through a divorce, you can just rest easy. But if anybody can understand what I'm trying to do this morning, it is you, okay? <clears throat> There's damage that occurs to the heart and mind and soul when, a, when, when divorce happens. And there's a tearing of the family. There's a separating. There's a, there's a, a ripping of the, of the hearts. I want to look at what Jesus said out of Matthew chapter 19 about, about being married. And again, if you're a young adult, if you're married here, I want, you to, I want you to hear me out. So Matthew 19 and 13, it says, Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus replied, Haven't you read? At the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. He said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He starts quoting from Genesis 2. He goes back to Genesis 2, and he's quoting it in this answer. So, they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined, let man not separate. 
Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted, uh, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way in the beginning. It's like not God's intention. I will tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another commits adultery. Okay, so let's start. They asked the question, can you divorce for any reason? Can you divorce for any reason? Okay, Jesus responds talking about Genesis 2, and I want to remind you that marriage before God is not a legal contract that you go to the courthouse and get. Marriage is not regulated by the whims of the county commission and the state legislature. Long before there was ever any formal government, this was God's standard. So he talks to them not about legal marriage necessarily, but he talks to them about the covenant relationship that a man and woman enter when they are married. Two people, the covenant relationship. Two people make an agreement to be married, to live by God's word, with God in the center. It is not a casual relationship. It is not a relationship that is formed legally, you know, and it can't be discarded e uh, easily. It is a new relationship with God in the center that may only be broken under very serious conditions, okay? That's what he says. He's, they ask him, can you divorce for any reason? And Jesus says, no, no. Young adults, we set a high standard, okay, when we're getting married. When you know, see, when people know there's all kinds of back doors at the end, they'll take advantage of it. But when you find someone and you make an agreement, we're not divorcing, I want to tell you, it really makes you pay attention to the person that you're marrying, all right? If you're really going, hey, this is death through us part, you know, it makes it, makes it, makes it really serious uh, 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 going into that relationship, okay? So, but he does acknowledge there are certain things that happen over the course of a marriage. Can you divorce for any reason? Let me just tell you something, Generation Church. We're going to preach God's Word. We're going to preach it when it's a blessing to us, and we're going to preach it sometimes when it kind of, you know, puts boundaries that make us uncomfortable, but we're going to preach it this morning, okay? I owe this to a younger generation. So he acknowledges that there may be times that the marriage, the covenant marriage is dissolved before God, and he uses the illustration of adultery. If somebody is unfaithful to you, physically, sexually unfaithful, he says that covenant relationship is dissolved and you are free to remarry, okay? He said outside of that, outside of that, can a man divorce for any reason? No. No, I'm having a bad day or having a bad month. No, because he said, look at the, the very last part of that, Anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another commits adultery. So he's just saying, you think just because the courthouse says you're free, 
But this isn't a courthouse relationship. This is a covenant relationship with God that you don't walk away under unless it's very serious conditions. Okay? All right? Two biblical reasons to end a marriage. Number one, adultery. All right? Somebody's been unfaithful. I want to tell you if that's you. Somebody's divorced. They've walked away. Then you go with God's blessing upon your life. Okay? The Apostle Paul, later on, he adds another, another uh, reason uh, to end a marriage, and that would be abandonment. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, okay? You know, back then, you know, like a husband, you know, women had no legal status. So a husband could just boot them out with the kids, and they, they were still honoring the covenant rule, the law, but they had no legal standing to start their new life. So Paul's going, hey, if a, if a husband kicks him out or if a husband walks away and they, you know, there's, there's no support and they end the marriage, then for that reason as well, it will be honored. So, so every young adult, you want to get married one day, you set a high premium on marriage. Biblically, that covenant relationship is dissolved with those two things, adultery and abandonment. Now, let me just say... Um, you know, we, so, so we go through difficult times in marriage. I mean, I understand that. But there are times that you think that divorce will solve all your problems. I've got a lot of problems here. Divorce will solve all of my problems. But I just want to say it won't solve all your problems. It just presents you a new set of problems, okay, when you walk, when you walk through that. So sometimes when we're not happy in our marriage, we start maybe to complain about to close friends and you're not happy and then maybe you start talking to your your spouse hey i'm not i'm just not happy i'm not, i'm i'm not happy and you know maybe you start to mention the word divorce in lawyers and i just want to tell you something i i'm not a marriage counselor but i've been in the ministry a long time usually once the divorce word and the lawyer word enters the context of marriage it is very difficult to pull back from that I go, hey, don't 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 start throwing those, don't start throwing those words in. You know, I want to say marriages go through difficult times. They go through hard times. They go through times where you're not you're not happy, okay? But I think everybody kind of goes through that. Everybody kind of comes to the reality that. What I always thought, it's not going to be. But I just want to say to you, just because you're not momentarily happy doesn't mean that this thing can't be healed or that you're just going through a season or that there's some restorative, you know, something restorative that can happen to the marriage. Just because you're not happy at this moment doesn't mean that that can't can't happen again. But sometimes we start to paint the picture you know, of, of the ease of divorce and you're my problem-free life if I divorce. Can I just take you through some of the hard truths about divorce? I just want to walk you through what the back end of this thing is going to look like. Number one, there's financial challenges immediately. Divorce is terrible on people financially and it has long-lasting effects. Divorce is not cheap, okay? So one of the first things you do, you both get lawyers. Those lawyers are usually on every billboard around, which means they got plenty of money to spend for some reason, okay? 
So we gotta, we're paying for divorce in cash. They divide up the income and the assets and the debts. Okay? The standard of living at that point that you've enjoyed, the lifestyle that you had is immediately altered because your income is now divided. Your debts are now divided. Okay? And let me just say to men, if you've got children... It's going to be very difficult on you financially because according, you know, to the state of Florida and the child custody laws, man, 15, 20% of your income goes straight to your kids. And that normally puts you in a place uh, uh, that's hardly sustainable for you to have any kind of, any kind of lifestyle, okay? So the hard truths about divorce, when it happens, number one, the finances are really kind of cut and... What you've enjoyed as far as your standard of living is now greatly affected. Another hard truth, the adjustment of being single again and the probability of remarriage. I can date again. I'm free. Oh, wow. I'm I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm back in the game. Well, let me tell you, the game changes when you're divorced and you've got kids and you've got financial and custody limitations. You think I'm just going to run back out there, but I'm telling you, it's a different game when you've gone through divorce and you've got, and you've got kids, you know. Now, you've got to work out custody agreements. When do you get your kids? When do you not get your kids? You know, I mean, there are just all kinds of, all kinds of things. So now you're single. Now you're single again, okay? And you're kind of, what, what's going to happen? But it's also the probability of remarriage as well, okay? So, the, so 57% of people who divorce are likely to remarry. So the chances are at some point you're going to remarry, okay? But do you know what? 67%, this is psychology today, 67% said, 67% uh, of second marriages end in divorce as well. So you think, if I can just get out of this terrible marriage, I'm going to find the good marriage and maybe that happens, but the statistics are that almost 70% end in remarriage as well. So if you're thinking, if I can just get rid of this one and, and just get a new one, then it's going to be a new life. I'm just telling you practically and truthfully, most of the time that does not happen. The reality of other hard truths, the reality of sharing custody and being a single parent. Now every other weekend, you lose your kid. You know, or every weekend, however, whatever the agreement is, half the week. During the summer, you lose them for, you know, periods of, of time. And, and you need to know that. That's, that's, a, a, that's, a, tough, that's a tough part. And you, you kind of miss, you know, family dinners and, you know, going to get hamburgers, those kind of things that you always kind of took for granted. You know, now you're kind of sitting at home alone. Christmas Day at noon is a sad time because that's when most custody effects, you know, custody orders take effect. And now your your kids, you know, you're you're either getting your kids or you, you wake up with them not there or you lose them. Those are those are tough times. Or you find yourself becoming a FaceTime parent that you never thought that you would be. Okay? Listen to me. I'm just trying to give some people some hard truths. When you think I'm just going to walk away and life's going to become easy, I'm telling you, 
Not necessarily. If your former spouse remarries, somebody else is raising your kids. Somebody else is teaching your kids things. They're modeling your kids things. They're, they're disciplining your kids. You have no real voice in what they're taught or what is modeled. You see the picture of your former spouse, you know, their family picture. You're, you're not in it. Your kids are in another family, family picture. Hard truths about divorce. The impact on your kids, you know, just as they, as they kind of, depending on their age, the impact of that family, that family separation. But you're going, but I, I just want to start over. I just want to start over. But that is the last thing you get to do. You want to rid yourself of these problems, but in actuality, you just exchange them for a different set of problems. If you think just walking through divorce cleans, going through divorce just cleans the, cleans the slate, and now I'm going to be happy, you just got a different set of problems, okay? Repairing a troubled marriage. Let's talk about that. We think love shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't have to fight for my marriage, especially, especially when I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have to do it. But I want to say, if you're married today, you're going through, excuse me, separated. You're going through a difficult time. I just I want to bring some encouragement to you. Um, you, you, you can't say that you love the Lord and not care about your marriage. Some people kind of divide that in their mind. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to worship, you know, but then my marriage is decaying. If you love the Lord, okay, then, then bringing attention and healing to your marriage should be a priority. It should be a priority to you, and it's an act of, act of obedience. So I want to, how, how do we repair this? If we're, if we're going through a really, really hard time in our marriage, is it just divorce or there are options? I'm just telling you, I just think there's, there can be wholeness and healing. I've been around a long time. I've seen marriages that I thought they've gone too far. But if two people give them a chance, I just believe God can bring healing. So here's, a, here's some things. Number one, say no to divorce. Go ahead and close the back door. Okay, go ahead and just, no, no. It's not, it's not an option. Okay, now to every young adult, I want to mention you know, when, when we're looking at our spouse, there's a point as you're talking about your future that you guys need to go, hey, it's death to us part, okay? We're, we're not, we're not going to have five easy divorce doors in the back wall here. We're, we're saying no to divorce. And I just think at that, at that point, if you've got a troubled marriage, you come to the agreement, we're not going to get divorced, okay? So if you come to that agreement, what are your options, are you just going to sit around miserable the entire time? No. If we come to the point where we go, no, no, we're going to work through this. Divorce is not an option. It doesn't free me from problems. It just gives me another set of problems. So I might as well dive in and dig in. My, my life was happy at one point. I might as well work on seeing God heal this marriage here. Okay? Or are we just going to sit around Miserable. Well, let me say this. Well, I'm, I'm not in love at this point. Got it. Got it. 
Because love, the feeling of love, sometimes is relative. It's an emotion, okay? Sometimes you feel it, and it's wonderful. Sometimes it's just not there. But we've got something that's going to bind us through this moment when we don't feel love, okay? It is our covenant relationship, and the fact that we gave our word until death do us part, okay? Sickness, health, love, cherish, all the other things, okay? So now, listen to me. Now, even though I don't feel it at the moment, I'm now standing on my character. I gave you my word that I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to walk away. When love is fleeting, The character and our statement of our words can carry us through this moment. And I'm just telling you, sometimes character and covenant relationship has to carry the marriage to the moment. But I'm telling you, love can return if you give it the opportunity. So sometimes I'm just going, hey, I don't feel it at the moment. But you know what? I promised you and I promised God and I'm going to give it my my best shot. Okay? Make a declaration to each other that you're wholly recommitting your lives to Christ and to each other. Marriage problems are not necessarily marriage problems first. Sometimes they're spiritual problems, okay? There there are times where, and I, I think an important part is just to go back to the basics of recommitting ourselves to, to God and, and, and recommitting ourselves to uh, to the uh, to our spouse. Sometimes, before we know it, when we, we've been focusing on our marriage issues, sometimes we look and there's a, a good amount of spiritual decay that has occurred in our life. So I think it's very healthy to reconnect with the Lord and with our spouse. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians, it is chaos. It is a book of chaos. He is stamping out fires left and right. They are angry at each other. They're having communion. They don't serve it. They're eating at separate times. He's talking about marriages that are breaking up, singleness. They're suing each other. And in the middle of this book of of chaos, he puts an anchor because he kind of diagnoses what the problem is, and it's lack of love. Lack of love. If you love each other right in God's way, it can start to bring healing back to your life. So they're going to put this on the screen and I'm going to read it. It's 1 Corinthians 13 and it's the love chapter, okay? Because we need this reinfused back in our life, all right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Uh, It protects. It always trusts always hopes, and always perseveres, okay? Man, we need that sometime in the midst of chaos. Sometimes we, we just need to be reminded that's how we love other people. That's how God loves us, and we need that 
brought back into to our relationship, I just want to say there's a, a point where we just need to recommit ourselves to the Lord. We need to recommit ourselves to God's Word. And let's don't be so quick to call on the lawyer that we don't give the Lord an opportunity to bring healing. <clears throat> Repairing your marriage. Identify and work quickly on the problem areas of your marriage and make it a priority, all right? You don't have a lot of time at this point, okay? This is, there's got to be a sense of urgency and priority. <clears throat> Can I say, if you've got a marriage issue, this is the most important thing in your life right now. I don't care what your hobbies are, your work, all that kind of stuff. This is urgent, and it should be a priority, and just passing time, things don't normally in this area get better on their own. So we need to be, uh, we need to be proactive. <clears throat> we need to acknowledge we got some problems here and, and what they are, okay? But sometimes people are just quiet, but I'm just telling you, we need to be proactive because while you're just being quiet and distant, more decay, more bitterness, more anger is getting in. This is the time to really turn it around and, 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 and quickly, okay? And I just want to say too, I just want to say to men, I just want to say to men, I've been doing this a long time. <clears throat> and very rarely do I ever see the man have the urgency that the marriage needs healing than I do the lady. Okay. Most of the time when I talk to couples, the man's seat's always empty. I usually talk to women. You cannot heal a marriage by yourself. Okay. Men, you have got to be proactive here. This isn't a time to kind of get your feelings hurt or you got your pride hurt. This is not a time for you to kind of lay low and let your wife take the lead on healing. This is the time for you to step up as well. Because most of the time, it is the woman trying to do all of the healing, all of the forgiving, all of the changing, and they find a man distant, and he'll just take whatever as long as he can just come home and have dinner and go to bed with his wife. All right? Identify and work quickly on the problem areas of your marriage and make it a priority. Men, take the lead. You're a godly man, okay? If you've got an imperfect marriage, that's fine, okay? But you take a lead. You be a partner in that. This is not just your wife's responsibility on here. And that is my pattern that I have seen over many, many years of marriage. It is only the women who were trying to do the healing. And you can't heal a marriage with just one. Pray, but also get outside help. Okay? Brent, worship team, you can come. All right? So, yeah, we're going to pray over it. We're going to pray about it. Okay? That's fine. I think that's great. I think it's great. But I say pray and get some help. Okay? Start, go, go seek some outside help or counsel some, you know, at some point. If we wait too long, even when we're praying over it, bitterness, anger, you know, the, the talk of divorce and lawyers sometimes continues. So I say if you want to spend a time in prayer, I want you to do that, but I also want you to go see somebody as well. Get some help. Find a couple 
that you have great confidence in, have them over to your house, you know, and, and talk to them. I want to say too, men, you've got to be involved with this. Your wife can't go to the marriage counselor by, her, by herself. This is something that you've got to care about as well. I can't ever heal when the man's chair in my office is empty. So if it's a pride issue, you've got to get over it because I'm going to tell you you're going to lose your marriage. You're going to lose everything you got. So I want you to pray. That's important. But I also want you to seek outside help as well. Grab a couple that you have confidence in, okay? Go, come, come see me. See one of our pastoral team, okay? Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't do long-term marriage counseling. I don't. I meet with individuals and pray, and I'm kind of the distant kind of accountability. I prefer to send to a marriage counselor, someone that's a faith-based, that, you know, that prays and, and believes in marriage like we do. That way, you can say whatever you want to say to them. You know, you can really be open. Sometimes there may be this hesitancy. I don't want everybody in the church to know my business. I have found it better that you go find someone else. And I have people that I recommend as well. And I want to tell you, I have sent a number of people to outside marriage counseling and have seen good, you know, good, good help in that area. So I'm just saying to you, there's a point where you need to pray but there's a point also that you need to go get some help. Like when you're sick, you know, there's times that you're doing the ibuprofen and you got the band-aids, but there's a point that you need uh, some more medical care. And I want to say the same thing to you as well, okay? Now listen to me. You got a troubled marriage? You go to this church? You know, like one, one thing people kind of run from the church because they're embarrassed. Oh my goodness, my church. Look, everybody's got a perfect marriage. Look at Whit and Linda. They got a perfect marriage. And here I am. So you feel embarrassed and you feel distant sometimes, you know, uh, you know, from the, from the church. But I just want you to know something. You're going through a hard time, okay, in your marriage. You are not failing us and you're not disappointing us, okay? I want you to know that. We're, we're here behind you as much as we can. We want you to know we love you. We're praying for you. We're not taking sides. We just, we just want to see, we just want to see God do something powerfully in your life and bring healing. The last part, repairing a marriage. Be patient. Allow time for healing and restoration. This did not heal. I mean, this did not develop overnight, and it will not go away overnight. Okay? And sometimes in the restorative process, there's some uncomfortable parts of that. There's some very uncomfortable parts, but, you know, to, to heal a wound sometimes, you've got to clean it out before it heals right. So sometimes with the counselor, with prayer, whatever, it becomes uncomfortable to you and you want to quit, but I'm just saying it didn't develop overnight and it won't heal overnight. You just be patient. Be patient. Work quickly, but allow, allow time for this to happen. Linda Waite, University of Chicago, sociologist. It's not a faith-based study. Here's what she said. Two-thirds 
of those unhappy marriages out there will become happy within five years if people stay married and don't get divorced. The benefits of divorce have been oversold. Somebody gets divorced on TV, they just move to this fun new life, okay? It may be a little different when you're a multimillionaire, okay? But this lady says, here's the study. It's not a, it's not a faith-based study. Two-thirds of unhappy marriages will become happy in a period of time if you just don't get divorced. Just stay there. Just let there be some, just let there be some restorative time in your life, okay? Now listen, I'm not coming to throw stones. I said from the very beginning, if you've gone through divorce, I'm not, you know, that's, that's already in the past. I can't do anything about that. What I do want to do is set the marker for young adults about the importance of marrying the right person. And I also want to remind our congregation, Jesus said, can you divorce for any, for any reason? And the answer is no. Your lawyer may say yes. Okay, but we don't stand before the lawyer when we get married. We stand before God. And that's a different relationship. All right. So I want to pray. I want to pray. I'm going to pray over different parts. We're going to, we're going to worship in just a moment. So I, I said at the beginning, you know, sometimes marriage problems are not marriage problems first. They are spiritual problems first. And maybe through your marriage or maybe just as God's dealing with your heart, okay, you realize you're not where you should be with the Lord and there's some recommitment that you need to make. And I just want to say, in your marriage, commit yourself to Jesus. Follow Jesus. If you're, if you're here today, you got spiritual challenges in your life that have nothing to do with marriage, I want to point you to the cross and I want to point you to the saving grace of Jesus, okay? And I'm going to put a prayer up there in just a moment. So I want to pray over every young adult this morning. I want to pray over them. I want to pray over every marriage that is represented we got some great marriages here. Bill and Donna Gilbert been married a long time. We got some people in this church that have been married such long time. Great examples and role models for this church body. I want to pray over every person that's walked through a divorce in your life. I want to pray God's healing, God's restorative plan for you, whatever that may be and whatever the next chapter that may be for your life. I want to pray over every marriage this morning that may be struggling today. Okay, so let me just let me just do that, and then we're gonna we're gonna worship. So, Lord, we come before you today. Lord, you just don't care about our soul; you care about our life here. The Bible is not just a book of salvation, but it's a book about our relationships. And this morning, we've been talking, Lord, about that wonderful relationship that you've created called marriage. Lord, I pray this morning if there are people here. And for whatever reason, maybe through their marriage they realize, maybe they've walked and strayed a little bit from their faith, maybe people for different reasons this morning are away from you. Lord, we come to the cross. Guys, if you'll put that prayer up on the screen, if that's you, I want you just to whisper that prayer that says, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Okay? It's as simple as that to start again. 
I'll talk to you in just a moment. Let's, let's continue. Lord, I pray over every young adult today. I pray over every high school student, every young adult single. Lord, I pray. God, I pray that you would just plant in their heart the importance of this moment. When culture says it's not that important that you can walk in and out, Lord, you go, no, I have a different view for long-term health and compatibility. So I pray over every single young adult. Lord, I pray over them last week. I've been praying for them this week. Lord, I pray over them. They'll find the right person in the right time. It's going to meet every need of their life. Lord, I pray over them today. Lord, I pray over every marriage. If your spouse is close by, would you just grab their hand? And man, if you've ever prayed before, would you just pray a prayer over your spouse today? Lord, I thank you for every marriage that is represented here. Those that are online, those that are here today. Lord, I pray over every marriage. Lord, there's, there's such a cultural push today against godly and biblical marriage. And Lord, I pray for wholeness and health in all relationships. Lord, as we, as, we, as we change, Lord, I pray, Lord, the center of our faith is going to be you. The anchor to our marriage is going to be you. And I just pray over every married couple today. God, I pray. I pray. I'm going to be quiet for just a moment. Just take a moment pray over your spouse. Would you do that? Just pray God's blessing and favor. Would you do that this morning? Lord, I pray over every person that's walked through divorce. Lord, it might have even been an uncomfortable moment for them today. But Lord, only, Lord, your promise is that you give beauty for ashes. You give beauty for ashes. You take a garment of praise and exchange it for a spirit of heaviness. And I pray for those that have walked through that. I pray for those that kind of feel still some of the pain of that in their heart. I pray for healing, the start of healing. Lord, I thank you. Lord, they're not damaged. Lord, you've got a plan for them. Lord, you've got something in store. I pray over them today. God, I pray for just renewal, and I pray for healing, and I pray for a song of joy. But Lord, you're, you know, you're, your word says that you're close to those of a broken heart and that you bind our wounds in some even though there's been some distance between the divorce and now, there's some that still need some healing, and I pray over that. I pray that balm of Gilead. I pray that a healing moment, Lord, would be in their hearts. Oh, God, I pray, I pray, I just pray this morning. Lord, I pray for every marriage that is struggling today. Every person, Lord, who's just concerned about the longevity of their marriage, I pray over that today. And God, I believe if you can resurrect a dead body, you can resurrect a dead marriage. And I just speak wholeness and healing. Lord, I pray that there will be this urgency in their hearts, not just to sit around and, and, and argue more, but there will be this urgency of healing in their hearts. And I pray over them today. I pray, God, Lord, as they reach out to you, God, I believe you can bring restoration. And I pray over that today. I pray restoration. I pray healing. I pray wholeness. I pray over that. Marriage that have been divided and separated. God, I pray 
I, I pray if that's your will for wholeness and restoration again, Lord, I pray over that. I pray over that today. I pray over that today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray. I pray. Those that are concerned about their marriage, they're worried. I just pray over them today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.